In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togedan.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here to talk with you today as I do each and every week about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on today's guest, Sally Colbreth, I want to open up the phone lines for call-ins at 877-864. Again, that's 877-864. 4869. Did I leave out those last four digits? I must have. So again, the third time, 877-864-4869. You can also connect with us at toginet.com by coming right into our Togi chat room or on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness. Here we are. We have a show about happiness and well-being. And sometimes we talk about things that are not always easy to talk about. But they relate back to the topic of well-being, of creating a happy life, of healing from things that might be difficult. And today's guest, Sally Culbreth, is the founder of Committed to Freedom, which offers seminars, resources, and retreats for survivors of abuse, including childhood sexual abuse survivors. She is the author of several books, including No Longer Alone, A Narrative Between Survivors and Christ, Despising the Shame, the Story of Her Own Childhood Sexual Abuse, The Uncaged Project, a self-help workbook for men and women who experience childhood abuse, and many other resources, including a weekly online publication called Roadside Assistance, which I subscribe to and I I love. Um, Sally holds a BA in Pastoral Ministries and an MS in Counseling Studies. She is an ordained minister, a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors, was a national faculty member for Living Free Ministries for many years, and is trained as a critical 
Incident Stress Management Counselor. Welcome, Sally. Thank you for being here. Lisa, it's great to be here and, and good to reconnect with you. Very much so. You and I had the great pleasure of, of working together and in a weekend, a weekend warrior environment. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a weekend warrior environment. It, it was a wonderful experience uh, and so good to get to know you also and hear your dreams and plans. Likewise, likewise. Let's um, talk about Committed to Freedom and talk about what you're doing with your nonprofit um, projects that you're working on. Okay. Well, Committed to Freedom provides holistic empowerment and spiritual tools uh, to help people move beyond abuse and sexual trauma. We focus most of our attention on the damage and scars that are left behind from childhood sexual abuse. Um, our focus is to uh, not only give people uh, important living strategies to, to cope with the scars and the damage, but also to include who they are spiritually and relationally in, in that journey forward beyond trauma. Mm. So um, that, that's, that's who we are in a nutshell. And, and uh, Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we, we are very committed to, uh, to, to ongoing help. Uh, this is a long road. It's a complicated road, and um, that's why we spend most of our energy uh, with our online presence, with weekly articles, uh, providing online support groups so that people who might live in remote areas or might not have access to appropriate uh, ongoing care for the issues that arise uh, after uh, trauma um, have that have that possibility so technology is just an amazing gift and provides uh, a certain degree of anonymity and um, uh, not necessarily uh, uh, needing to self-disclose in order to access appropriate tools. And that's what I love the most about what you're doing is the, 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 the need for privacy when someone is going through a recovery process from a, abuse is is key and mm-hmm. the ability to connect with committed to freedom very quietly and to step onto the road albeit one one tiny step at a time in mm-hmm. some cases because mm-hmm. this is not an easy road no no it's an unfair road the issues of justice are enormous the the battles that are fought by abuse survivors are completely unfair and uh, and that goes uh, on to their partners, their children, um, who also oftentimes live with the damage that uh, was perpetrated by someone else, but becomes very much a, a big part of the landscape of how relationships function. So, yes, it is a very difficult road, and it's a very unfair road. And the recovery process, you know, in my estimation, and probably yours as well, is, is almost an act of courage in itself. Oh, absolutely. Just to acknowledge, especially if your abuse, uh, childhood sexual abuse in particular I'm speaking of now, uh, if that abuse occurred in the context of family relationships, um, to to first of all have to turn and look that 
uh, obscenity uh, full on in the face and, and, and really embrace the fact that so many people that you needed and depended on for your own existence and, and flourishing uh, as a developing human being failed you and exploited you and harmed you. That, that's that's uh, breathtaking um, just to come to terms with that and then to acknowledge that to others and and reach out for help is uh, it is a tremendous act of courage sally i'm sorry to interrupt you my alarm is going off in my house i feel better about that because i i told my dog if she barked today we were going to have to have some discussion (laughs) (laughs) welcome welcome to live radio i have there's there's a sensor going off i mean the house is is, there's nobody here you know doing anything wrong but there is you know what it is so. Um, it's always amazing to me. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think all kinds of dark things are thrown at us when we start to to step into these dark places and try to pull people into a, a point of flourishing and, and strength and, and moving beyond. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar with these kinds of things. <laughs> It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would like to talk for a minute uh, about the statistics for childhood sexual abuse because I think this is going to be a stunning uh, realization for it, many. It is, it is shocking. Uh, and these are statistics from the CDC. Um, in the United States, 25% of all girls and 16% of all boys will experience some form of sexual abuse or exploitation before their 18th birthday. And then when you... Um, then when you uh, go into populations with disabilities, over 80% have experienced some form of sexual abuse in their lifetime. So these are statistics just in the United States. Um, they are much more prevalent in other areas of the world where there aren't even laws or definitions of such things as childhood sexual abuse. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this is happening in our own backyard. I think this is important to recognize that this isn't a statistic that you're you're pulling out of a, a remote academic journal. This no. is, or happening somewhere over there. It's happening here. Absolutely, absolutely. And and um, the the when you look pull back and look at the larger picture, most uh, childhood sexual abuse survivors don't disclose their abuse to anyone. I mean, I think the statistic is something like 80% of abuse never is disclosed. Most of the time, disclosure only occurs later on in early adulthood, and then that is disclosed to a partner or a friend. So uh, the uh, the statistics of abuse, when you when you couple that with the understanding that most abusers are never identified, never uh, brought to accountability, um, then, you know, the the stranger danger that is honestly 7% of abuse victims uh, were abused by strangers. The prominent perpetrator is someone who is in the trust circle of the child, who lives under that child's roof or uh, is a, a part of that child's trust environment, neighbors, friends, coaches, pastors, Sunday school teachers, teachers. Um, It's a very, very hidden thing. We are going to go to a break on a couple of minutes, but before we do, I want to talk 
uh, briefly, and we'll come back to this after the break, about mm -hmm. the damage that this kind of abuse does, that chi what childhood abuse does to the survivors, the legacy that they take into their lives, and how it affects their very intimate relationships as, uh, as partners in, in adulthood, as parents, because the impact is tremendous. It's it doesn't, it is. doesn't die with the end of the abuse. Oh, no. No, no. As a matter of fact, um, these, are, these are the symptoms of PTSD. Well, anger management problems, uh, depression, isolation, uh, anxiety attacks, eating disorders, addictions, uh, emotional chaos. Uh, abandonment issues are enormous, uh, confusion about what is normal, what is normal love, what is normal affection, what is normal sexuality. We are uh, going to go to a break. Hold that thought for one moment, Sally. We're going to come back to this. But to find out more about Committed to Freedom, please visit www.committedtofreedom.org. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress King on Toginet.com. Are you someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning, amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day? Or are you someone like me who needs regular infusions of inspiration? I'm Meg Pierre, a photographer, travel writer, and creator of the website www viewfromthepeer.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new beautiful image from my travels around the world, captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. Viewfromthepeer.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels, who offer their personal stories and wisdom along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepeer.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. 
Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness uh, Talk Radio. I'm here today with Sally Culberth, who is the founder of Committed to Freedom, which offers seminars, resources, and retreats for survivors of abuse, including childhood sexual abuse. And I'm here also with my alarm going off, the, the, the trouble zone, and I have to share this because it is kind of interesting, is heat in the kitchen. That's what the message is telling me. Wow. And, you know, it's an appropriate message for what we're discussing today, actually. So, um, nice you know, segue th- there. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Heat in the yeah. kitchen, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, certainly childhood sexual abuse is very much um, a heated subject, and very much um, one that uh, holds a place in my heart because of the legacy that uh, the men and women who experience the tr- the trauma carry forward in their lives, which dovetails into the work that I do with uh, PTSD and, and combat trauma. Mm-hmm. Sally, um, what what led you to start Committed to Freedom? Well, I am a military brat, and my own father was uh, uh, deployed quite a bit and gone from home quite a bit. And uh, like so many military families today, we found ourselves in situations where we we were not whole as a family because of the separations. And so um, we uh, spent time with my grandparents, uh, and my grandfather was uh, a minister. And uh, from before I can remember, um, uh, he sexually abused me. Mm-hmm. And when he was, he had access to me because we were, um, you know, military families are very isolated families, and, and he, he had access to me uh, because of my father's absence. And um, when he would finish with me, uh, he would, we would kneel down and pray next to the bed where he had just abused me, and he wanted me to pray because he wanted to make sure Jesus lived in my heart. And so I, I grew up, first of all, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, a perfect storm. I grew up in, in frequent moves. Uh, the, the military life is a very hard life for children. And I grew up with, with this constant upheaval and moving in, in the military. And then I also grew up with chronic sexual abuse by someone who claimed to be uh, connected to God. And so I grew up with uh, some very disturbed ideas about um, the stability of relationships. I grew up despising God, hating anything to do with Christians or the church, and um, it it caused an enormous amount of damage in me. And and when I I graduated from high school uh, at Wagner High School in Clark Airfield in the Philippines, in the early 70s, my father was in Vietnam for a number of years at that point. When I came back to the States, I also brought back a, a, a guy that I married 39 years ago next week. And um, we sort of settled into, you know, the early adulthood stage, and there was nobody to to make right what was done to me. And, and I did what so many abuse survivors do. I, and I, and I, I hope you hear I'm speaking at this from the other side of this journey. But And, and I, I see what I was doing now. But back then I was just thrashing. I was enraged. And somebody was going to have to pay. And the only person I had to inflict that uh, uh, sentence on was my husband. And uh, I, I think we'd been married three years. We married right out of high school, and we'd been married about three years. And uh, 
someone was addressing sexual abuse, and I, you know, very casually said, well, that happened to me. And they said, well, it didn't have any effect on you. And, and in my mind, I, I had it all together. And uh, I said, no, no you know, I've, I've got myself together. And I looked at my husband and um, looked into the face of a broken-hearted young man because he had become the object of my wrath, my dysfunction, my unresolved issues. And it broke my heart because I loved him with all my heart. And that was the moment when my mask of denial was ripped off and I had to roll up my sleeves and go to work. But when I came to that place, which you already mentioned is an enormous step of courage, <laughs> I had to then find appropriate help. And it was, it was, that was as painful uh, in many ways as the damage that was left by my grandfather's actions because, you know, at first I went to pastors. Nobody knew what to do with me in, in the faith community. Um, you know, I was told to give it to God. I was told to pray harder. I was told to have more faith. And, and I was at a point where I was being very real, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And then, you know, to, to secure you know, counseling was very difficult. We were in college. We didn't have any money. Nobody knew what to do with me. And so uh, that's really the the steps that led to Committed to Freedom are because the path I've taken and the difficulty in finding help, and not just immediate help, but ongoing year-after-year support um, is, is really what our focus has become, to help people not have to reinvent the wheel and to be, you know, to, to have many of their own experiences of false shame and, and some of the very embarrassing questions that you don't know the answer to because you, you sort of missed these important life lessons, they can ask without fear of being rejected or, or, or shamed. You know, something that you just said really resonates for me about the the the, the, sh- the false shame and mm-hmm. and the road back or the road to healing, being one that um, requires accountability and not accountability that it, that taps back into the guilt and the shame and then what did I do to deserve this, but the accountability for stepping into one's power as right. an adult to heal. Right. Absolutely. And it, it's it's always so um uh, it's it's the same pattern over and over again with the people that uh i believe are are just some of the most courageous human beings i've ever known in my life who have the courage to ask me embarrassing questions intimacy questions sexual questions bodily function questions and there i mean it takes them weeks sometimes months to even have the courage to to approach us with these kind of questions and then we say oh yeah everybody struggles with that and it's it's amazingly uh empowering to realize you're not the only one who has these questions who has these issues and there's somebody to go to and we can normalize i tell people you've done normal things with abnormal circumstances and <laughs> once you can sort of take a breath and take that burden off of you then then you have fresh eyes to see life and know that there are strategic ways to navigate with and through these issues to come to a healthier place. And this is where, through the counseling process and the healing process, one comes to not be defined by the abuse, but the abuse becomes part of the human experience. Absolutely. I mean, I, I... This is what I talk about, what I do 24-7, and I tell my story a thousand times a year, but that is not who I am. 
that doesn't define me. It's a part of what has made me who I am. But what has defined me is is to find the right help and to to take the right steps to strategically live with this as a factor in my background. And it's it's different than pretending it doesn't exist because that's way too much pressure. It it, it squishes sideways like a, a freshly made s'more. <laughs> um, yes. It, it goes everywhere, and it's totally unproductive. And when I realized how much of my life I was giving away to what he did to me, I got angry, and I decided it wasn't his life, it was mine, and I was going to take it back. And I mm. think that's the power of reclaiming what's been stolen. But that's also a process that most of us don't have the uh, introspective awareness to to do. We, we, we all lack objectivity when it comes to our own stuff. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, so, it's so funny. I have, I have friends, and I call them my pee-in-the-cup friends, it's the accountability you were speaking of, people who I've given permission to look at me and say, you know, you're really way off here, and you need to, you know, this is, this is where you need to focus. Because I, as much as I can help everybody else in the world, I do need fresh eyes to help me see my own issues uh, in, a, in a progressive and healthy way, too. We all do, no matter mm-hmm. how much skill mm-hmm. we possess as a coach, counselor, right. minister, religious figure, somebody that helps others. We all need somebody or a group of people to help bounce ideas off to keep us on the right track. And that is the beauty of community and what you've created with Committed to Freedom. I would like to talk a little bit about the services and programs you offer because you have a tremendous amount of free resources on we your do. website. We do. And um, one of the, as I said earlier, one of the, uh, let me uh, just sidetrack for just a minute. When I first began this, I was working with men who were uh, substance abusers. So we actually began working uh, these tools with men first before we, who had histories of childhood sexual abuse as part of uh, their own life story that led to their addiction. So those, the work that we offer is for both men and women. And um, so I, I, I just wanted to make sure that that, that was uh, heard as well. But we, we write an article each week called Roadside Assistance, our publication's Roadside Assistance. People can go on our website, there's a place to sign up. It's free. We don't we don't ask for anything from you. You can put a pseudonym in there, and we don't we don't need any other information, uh, and we don't share that information. But once a week, you're going to get a, a weekly article that that deals with one specific issue or one one per, one specific facet of the journey beyond abuse. We work heavily to help people learn to live strategically because when you live strategically, which is different than being a control freak, <laughs> when, you, yes. yeah, when, you, when you live strategically, you recognize, you know, these are my Achilles heels. This is, I, I panic when I'm in a room uh, that I can't find a door. I, I struggle when the lights are out. You know, to, to know these are the places that you struggle. And then to, to manage that with, with potent strategies, that's really what we're here to help people do. And we do that ongoing. We also, once a week we send out, a, on Tuesdays, we send out a, just a quote or an inspirational saying called Just a Reminder. We're we're beginning next week our our next series of online support groups, 
And uh, we're, we've got three online support groups. The registration for this is closed, but these will be repeating. We're going to go to break. Okay. Find more about Committed to Freedom to, at CommittedToFreedom.org. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win enter our weekly contests at harvesting happiness on facebook where we give away our guests books music film and products each week in addition we also do great harvesting happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with lisa cypress cayman lisa's books happiness first aid kits h factor where is your heart documentary film happiness is an inside job products including the sterling silver infinity bracelet that benefit harvesting happiness for heroes a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues join us at harvesting happiness on facebook nothing gives happiness like a free gift Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking today about really something that is considered the unspeakable, and that is childhood sexual abuse and survivors of abuse. Um, I'm here today with Sally Colbreth, who is the founder of Committed to Freedom, which offers seminars, resources, and retreats for survivors of abuse and sexual abuse. She is also an author. She's a counselor. Sally, thank you so much for being here today to really uh, shed light on a subject that is often taboo, not wanted to be discussed out in the open, and that is the way to heal it, is to just you know, bring it out into the light and make it a conversation. It's 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 part of, um, unfortunately, it's a part of the human experience for many people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the longer the secrets are kept, the more uh, those secrets are empowered to continue doing damage. So um, thank you for uh, a- approaching this subject. I appreciate that very much. 
Well, it, it ties into happiness. If what it we're does. doing is, is uh, wanting to empower others to reclaim their lives, be accountable for the things that they can change, it's essential that we have the conversation about a little bit of the, of the dark stuff that goes Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And let's talk about um, your upbringing. You mentioned that you were raised in a religious family. Mm-hmm. Your abuser, your grandfather was a minister. Mm-hmm. And the betrayal was not only by your grandfather, but I would imagine a sense of betrayal by God. Totally. Uh, the thing that interrupted, uh, I, my story's complicated, everybody's story's complicated, but I had become so full of despair when I was a teenager. I tried to kill myself when I was 17. And the thing that stopped me was uh, I walked outside. We lived in Williamsburg, Virginia at the time, and I walked outside and I saw this amazing night sky. Uh, the moon and the stars were just remarkable that night. And I looked at that sky and it, it, it stopped me. And I, I, I couldn't logically connect whoever was capable of creating that beauty and that, that majesty and that wonder. I couldn't reconcile that being with the being that was part of my sexual abuse. And and I, I I tell people often the you know God put the moon and the stars in the sky for me that night to stop me, but but what I I had to come to terms with uh, was that what I had learned about myself and God was so skewed by these experiences, and and for a season I was incredibly enraged with God. But one of the questions about uh, in, in abuse recovery and and certainly in the work that you do is. What makes us flourish, what makes us happy is meaning. Uh, and meaning making is one of the tasks of abuse recovery. And spirituality is meaning making, if I'm making any sense. Oh, when, indeed. Yeah. And so when, when you are spiritually at a place of peace and rest, when you are at peace with God, when you are at peace with who you are spiritually, then then you don't have to excuse behavior and say stupid things that were said to me like, well, this was just God's plan for your life because that is bunk. Um, I, I had to spend a lot of time unraveling the cords, unraveling the tentacles of, of really flawed ideas from uh, the wonder of God and the love of God and the grace of God and my own spiritual self. And, and I had to come to terms with... I can't make sense of what was done to me and and justify it as this was God's plan for your life. What I had to do was understand that this person, my grandfather, uh, sinned against me and against all that is holy. And what is the wonder of being a person who's spiritually flourishing is that I can can grow beyond what was done to me. So spirituality is a question of meaning-making, and the issues of betrayal and God are enormous. I mean, most of the people that come our way are people who have been deeply wounded by people of faith and have had horrific things happen to them by people of faith. I mean, that may be different with other organizations and other therapist experiences, but with our particular organization, those who come to us the most are ones who have been harmed in the context of church religion. And so... Uh, this this uh, this is very very important to mention because I want to also touch on the fact that although you are a faith based organization, it, it is not just for people of Christian faith. It is no, any no, faith. We, 
we have people that come to us on the you know the full spectrum of 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 faith belief systems lifestyles orientations i i've got people who are uh you know very very conservative fundamentalist evangelical christians who uh, come to us with the same issues as you know the agnostic uh who who has no interest at all in god but all come to this same place of being very spiritually broken people and and i i think the the there are attachment issues with god because the foundation of being a person of faith means that you have to acknowledge you're powerless and have no control. That's the foundation of, of, of being a person of faith. Mm. And that is the greatest terror any abuse survivor can ever experience is to be, uh, be in a situation where they feel they are not empowered and have uh, uh, no control. And so to be a person who wants to uh, be at peace with your faith means that you have to almost embrace the very things that have terrified you your entire life. And the, the, the soundbite uh, answers that so many people receive uh, uh, from the faith community uh, do a great deal of harm in that quest to honestly uh, explore uh, who God is and how God works in your own life. Um, and, and there's a grieving, uh, there's a grieving process in coming to terms with with that disappointment, with that sense of being betrayed even by God. Well, there is the sense of betrayal by God, and then there is the betrayal of those people that you trusted to care for you, and then there's also the sense of um, betrayal of self, and that is. Very much a part of this kind of healing work where we reclaim right. um, ourselves and um, realize the powerlessness over the things that we cannot change. And that's, right. uh, I know it's a, it is a biblical quote, but also about what we can have power over, which is our actions. Absolutely. And, and let me add, I think another betrayal in this for many people that, uh, myself included, is the betrayal of the mishandling by, uh, uh, people, by, uh, faith leaders, uh, who don't know what to do with these kinds of deep scars. And, and so I, I call them the magic wand answers, which essentially can serve if you're not willing to buck that can essentially serve to, to push you back down into a state of denial and call it faith when it's just another place where something's going to fester and explode later. I, I, I tell people God is not afraid of your rage, not afraid of your doubt, uh, is not afraid of your questions. Other people may be, including faith leaders, but God's not. And so take a breath and understand you're not going to get struck dead uh, by asking hard questions, because if you don't ask these hard questions at some point, you're never going to truly come to terms with who you are spiritually and how to flourish spiritually. And flourishing is what this really is all about. Mm -hmm. You and I chatted briefly before the show started about Dr. Martin Seligman's latest mm -hmm. book, which is mm -hmm. called Flourish. And it's very much about what are the components um, of living a good life that, that includes happiness. Happiness is not the number one goal. It's a byproduct right. of, of flourishing. Well, I'm, I'm looking right now at a page in his book, and, and the core features of flourishing are positive emotions, uh, engagement, interest, meaning, and mm -hmm. purpose. 
And the spiritual damage done by abuse is certainly uh, one that totally threatens uh, one's sense of meaning and one's sense of purpose. Uh, if you either if you blame God for what happened, or if you have just thrown in the towel completely and think everything is meaningless, both of those extremes are very unhealthy ways to navigate through uh, the the journey beyond abuse. Mm. Let's talk for a minute about the profile of a sexual abuser. You know, that it, 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 we talked a little bit about it being uh, in, many t- in many cases within the religious organizations, but what, right. is, what, is a, what does a, a profile look like? Well, I, let, me, let me say that I think any organization where you have uh, multiple generations uh, working in close proximity to each other, um, in any organization where there are children, uh, and and young people, uh, that's uh, sometimes the place that predators are drawn to because they have easy access. So, you know, we, we see not just the church having these issues, but we've seen multiple organizations, you know, including Penn State. Uh, so, yes, yes, yes. So the, 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 the thing that is a common denominator in all of these is that, that people have access to children who may be more accessible to them than they would be under other circumstances. But there are there are a number of uh, different. Uh, if I've got time here, let me see. Got two minutes. Uh, you've got adults who are pedophiles, and those are people who are sexually aroused by children, and they're oftentimes their victims are not their family members, but they do spend a lot of time grooming them. And then you have the, the child molesters who are uh, in. Uh, most of the time in a relationship with the child, oftentimes a family member uh, who who's abusing the child because the child is there. And then, you know, I, I think other, uh, we're, the predominant uh, profile are, are adult men, um, but we're seeing more and more stories uh, with, with women who are sexually abusing children. And I work with a number of men who have been sexually abused by women, uh, and these are these are people who have access to them and unsupervised access to them. Wow. <clears throat> we are going to go to a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about what can be done to prevent mm-hmm. childhood sexual abuse. And I think this is, this is a conversation worth having to Absolutely. proactively prevent this from happening again to mm-hmm. others. Um, to learn more about Sally Culberth and all that she does related to Committed to Freedom, you can go to www.committedtofreedom.org for resources to sign up for her free weekly newsletters, for her inspirational quotes that I am proud to say arrive in my box Yay. all the time. <laughs> and um, you are listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress. Came in to learn more about me and what we do here. You can go to hh4heroes.org. Org, and that's our nonprofit website. Here come the tunes. Where is my heart? Where is my heart? We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how. On Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers Kamen on Toginet.com. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well being, and human flourishing? 
Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Sally Culbreth, who is the founder of Committed to Freedom, which offers seminars, resources, and retreats for survivors of abuse, including childhood sexual abuse. In addition, she is an author and just a a huge heart and is doing everything that she can to help people reclaim and regain their equanimity back in life after abuse. Sally, before the break, we were talking about the profile of a sexual abuse user, what a predator looks like. Right. I wanted to throw in a few more statistics, and I'll go through these quickly. People can email me if they want the um, references to this, but 90% of the time, children know their abusers well, and so when you get a note that a sex offender is living next door to you, that's one that you know about, but 90% of them are living under a child's roof are living next door to them. Um, 7% are victimized by strangers. Most of the time, girls are sexually abused by adult males. Uh, boys who are sexually abused uh, are, are 45% of the time uh, uh, sexually abused by teenage girls when the child is under 5, which means uh, female babysitters are sometimes uh, predators. Wow. Um, 25% of the time by teenage boys when the boy's in elementary school, and then 38% of the time by adult males when the boy's between 12 and 18. And children who live in single-parent homes uh, are, or are at greater risk for sexual abuse. Step-parents are 10 times more likely to abuse than birth parents, and two-thirds of all substance abusers are childhood sexual abuse survivors. So as we've been talking about all morning, um, the, these are enormous. Uh, these are enormous factors in what sets up a child for uh, to be be a target for a sexual abuser. Um, I know that you wanted to speak about prevention. Uh, in 
if I if I could just speak for just a moment to uh, uh, religious organizations, to faith communities, churches, synagogues, temples, uh, community organizations, if if these organizations would commit to creating a culture of safety, then. Um, there would be accountability, there would be policies and procedures in place to to raise the likelihood that a child would not become victimized. Simple things like uh, windows on doors, uh, you know, that when doors are closed, that there are windows, people can see what's going on when children are present, that there are two unrelated adults working together in, in with a group of children, that there are, are strong policies for overnight trips, camping trips, uh, you know, sports trips and those kinds of things. Um, there are some tremendous uh, uh, resources that are available just through uh, insurance uh, companies on creating cultures of safety. And the other thing, I, I, I really struggled as a mother. I have two adult children and one grandchild. And when my, when my kids were growing up, I, I parented out of fear. That's a whole other conversation. But I, I parented out of fear because I was so terrified that my children would become victimized. But balance is also the key. Because if, if you're looking for, you know, the bad guy to jump out of the the trees at every corner, then you're going to, you know, not flourish either. So I think it's important to be balanced in how you make sure your children are safe. Um, and supervision and accountability is a huge factor. Uh, just for the child, awareness, you know, these are places that are not appropriate for people to touch you. And these are places that if you touch your own body, these are uh, locations that that is not appropriate to do that in. And I'm a firm believer in sex education from the get-go and just teaching your children about their bodies, how their bodies work, what is special, what is private, and then to let them have a a plan. It's like, you know, we we spend all this time teaching kids, you know, how to, what to do if there's a tornado or a fire. And I think, you know, part of personal empowerment is knowing what to do ahead of time so that you're not caught completely off guard. I mean, I did not know what was happening to me. I, I did not know what to do. I did not know that there were options because, well, first of all, I'm 58. Nobody was really talking about this back then. But uh, how wonderful to give a child the personal empowerment of a game plan that if somebody ever does approach you like this or touch you like this, this is what you can do, and I promise I will not flip out. So... um you know, I, I, I'm a mom of a 12-and-a-half-year-old and a 14-and-a-half-year-old, and, and they are at the ages, um, especially my daughter, who is, you know, just beautiful and flourishing in her own right. And we've mm-hmm. had this discussion. This is mm-hmm. a very open discussion in our mm-hmm. household about our bodies being sacred and our mm-hmm. bodies being a pleasure center, but they're not the pleasure center for somebody else as a child. Right, right. And 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 that from the the... From childhood through to the time we we breathe our last last breath, my body, your body, everyone's body is their own, and it's up to them to decide who touches them. Exactly, and, and, and to know to those know- boundaries exist are <laughs> vital. 
It is vital, and it's very empowering for the children. I mean, I mm-hmm. watch my own kids when we have this this discussion, which we're very frank about, and we do from time to time, because they'll mention, you know, the words that young people use, like a skeevy person, you know, mm-hmm. they saw a skeevy looking person, mm-hmm. or they heard about a child in school that was abused, or they'll want to talk about it, or with Jerry, the Jerry Sandusky case, they wanted to know, they were inquisitive, and I think that is prevention in its own right. Well, and it's not just a one-time conversation, just like uh, I think it's a, a very dangerous to have your one big sex talk with your child when they're, you know, leaving for college, and that would be <laughs> it. Um, I think these are just natural, normal conversations that should take place uh, in any setting uh, in, a, in, in a relaxed and natural way so that, you know, you don't create paranoid people, but you do create aware people. You do help them to become, not create, but help them to become aware people. Which is the power. Yeah. We talk about empowering. That is most empowering. There are a couple of things. We're running out of time, and there are a couple of things I want to touch upon. You mentioned your adult children, Mm -hmm. and um, one of your children, your son, Mm -hmm. is um, deployed in Afghanistan. Yes, he is. And I am uh, just want to give a shout out to Lieutenant Dan on behalf of Harvesting Happiness. I'm sure your mom will have something to say to you. So, well, if he's listening, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Uh, shout out to the 282nd Aviation and Logar Province, and um, I'm ready for all of you to come home. <laughs> we are all ready for all of you to come home, and mm-hmm. thank you for your service to our country, and thank you, Sally, for for your son who is out Mm -hmm. preserving um, the very uh, core of our values. Um, And we hope he uh, arrives home safely and soon. And let's talk about the relationship between PTSD, combat trauma, and early childhood sexual abuse, because there's a very interesting correlation that I've discovered in my work. And I'm sure you have acknowledged it in yours. And that is that when somebody returns home with combat trauma, PTSD, shell shock, whatever you want to call it, um, indeed, there was an event or several events that happened that triggered it. Mm -hmm. But once um, somebody presents for coaching or counseling or therapy, oftentimes there are a lot of stories that unfold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not not a a simple thing. I don't have the statistical information that you probably have. My suspicions are that uh, if you enter into a very threatening situation such as combat and you experience that day in and day out life-threatening reality, if the, the foundation of who you are as a person was already fragile, because of the damage of abuse and childhood abuse, then then these other events, I mean, the, the two issues that every abuse survivor flips out about until they really get a handle on it is the issue of power and control. And anytime you feel threatened and you don't feel you have any power over what's happening to you and no control, then it, it, it's like a domino fall. So when you, if, if you come into the military and into war in particular with, with these kinds of uh, untended wounds, then the, the, the experiences of war, uh, it's, it's oftentimes, I, I believe, the tipping point. And, you know, another thing that I have experienced, Lisa, um, is 
I haven't experienced, but I have been uh, privileged to hear from people who have entrusted me with this is so many of these uh, uh, service members come back and discover because of their own deployments, their children were abused. Their children were left, uh, you know, with relatives that sexually abused them. So it, 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 it's just uh, it, it's such a complex thing that can go in so many different directions. I, you know, I had not thought of what you just shared, and it, it is the perpetua- the per- perpetuation of this cycle that mm-hmm. is so so frightening because mm-hmm. uh, because our our hearts and our souls are so fragile. You know, mm-hmm. the human spirit is resilient, and yet so resilient. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I'll, I'll tell you one thing. One one of the things the therapist said one time that was one of the most liberating things I'd ever heard. Uh, she said, "The worst is over. <laughs> if you survive that, you're not going to go crazy." The worst is over, and just to know that okay, I am I, I am strong and I I am resilient and I can do this. I I, I want to mention briefly. I, I did a seminar with a wonderful organization in Harlem, New York, called African Services, and worked with a group of women who had come through some horrible atrocities. Uh, you know, rape is a weapon of war in 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 some of the Eastern African countries, and just mutilation and 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 one of the things we decided to focus on was the fact that they are strong and that they are wise and that they can overcome so um we're resilient we are resilient and that is the um interesting thing about the military is that we train our soldiers to be resilient to go to war and come home, but we don't um, train them to be resilient in the restoration of their spirits and their mental well-being um, without a long road to hoe, so to speak. Well, and I appreciate what you're doing for uh, the the warriors who do come home to help them do that very thing. Oh, it's it's become really my life's work mm-hmm. and where I, I derive uh, <laughs> a great amount of my own personal joy and sense of meaning. We mm-hmm. are out of time, and I can't would believe like... It. <laughs> I can't believe it either. We're going to have you back again in a few months. I great. wanted to give the contact information for Sally Culbreth uh, from Committed to Freedom. You can find her at www.committedtofreedom.org. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought sold or traded happiness will never invite you to the party happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion purpose place and meaning thanks for joining us on harvesting happiness talk radio this is lisa cypress cayman and sally culberth wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time Remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Here come the tunes. We'll see you next week. Check us out at www.hhforheroes.org. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Togedown.